This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash G-O-T for your free audiobook download. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create beautiful websites, blogs, or online stores for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code G-O-T at checkout to get 10% off. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 7, entitled The Gift. Uh, We have some stuff to get to before we get into the episode, right? Yeah, I just wanted to let uh, people know, because I know a lot of people have been uh, on the sidelines about it, but we are now accepting credit cards straight up via Stripe Hmm. for Club Bald Move, if you want to get in on the Club Bald Move action. Yeah, it's no longer shackled to PayPal. Although we still got that. It's it's an either or. It's an ACDC kind of thing. We yeah. got you coming and going. Different strokes, you know? For different different folks. Uh also want to let you, everyone, and I do mean everyone, I got it every way you can possibly get a message short of Pony Express that the PS4 does now support HBO Go. <laughs> I got it in PS4 messages. I got it in email. I got it on Facebook. Sony themselves were <laughs> I like, got it on nope, the forums. Nope. <laughs> yep, yep, nope. The the CEO of uh, Sony flew over from Japan mm-hmm. and uh, set me straight. <laughs> and they gave me a cool sword, too. That was pretty cool. Oh, nice. Uh, well, what's yeah, it called? It's called the PS Sword. I don't... <laughs> okay. I, don't, I, I, I got, caught me spot. flat-footed there. I know. Sorry about that. Uh, I will say, though, that I don't... That, the the streaming ability of it seems to leave a lot to be desired. It's very blocky and derezzed a lot. Hmm. And like I've been streaming HBO Go from my phone because uh-huh. it's got Chromecast and all that shit. And you know, my cell phone can do it no problem. So <laughs> I think the PlayStation 4 is more powerful than my cell phone. Pretty sure. Yeah. Uh one other thing I got a bunch of people alerting me to the fact that Coldplay did a a charity video for this Red Nose event, which I guess is a bunch of comedians getting together for some nebulously defined purpose to do good in in the United States and throughout the world. Um, but you can see their pitch on the video. They did a Game of Thrones the musical, like the making of. It's twelve minutes long, hmm. and I will warn you that four minutes in, you're like, "This is the lamest thing I've ever seen." But it starts to pick up, and I think it's it's actually worth worth watching. It's it's pretty well done towards the end. Okay. There's a really funny Theon uh a moment in, in the in the thing, and uh, Daenerys, Daenerys, the actual Emil Clark gets to sing. Uh, Rastafarian Targaryen. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sounds awesome. Pretty good. Pretty good. Lots of lots of cast and, and crew appearing on that video. So so check it out. I'll, I'll put a, a link in the show notes. But you can read. It's easy to find Coldplay, Game of Thrones, the musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I forget, as I'm want to do. Okay. Sounds good. Let's get into the recap. Can I can I talk about speaking of production? Can I can I talk a little bit about the men responsible for this episode? Oh yeah, I guess we're still doing that old thing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, despite logic and reason and in, in public interest, uh, is directed by Miguel Sapo- uh, Jesus Sapochnik. Okay, and he is uh, executive produced and directed the 2010 film Repo Man, which was starring Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, I it saw was, that. Yeah, I did too. It was uh, his directorial debut, but he's also directed uh, TV episodes such as House MD, 
episodes of Fringe and Awake, and also a television show I've never heard of called Mind Games. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he got his start in film by being a storyboard artist on the film Train Spotting. Wow. So okay. he's really started from the bottom now. He's here. Uh, and is written by the Double Ds, David and, and uh, Benioff and, and Daniel Weiss. So of course. There we go. And uh, you, we kind of talked about what we thought about the episode on the instant cast, but mm-hmm. I just reiterate on my subsequent watchings, I enjoyed it uh, probably more than I have the last three episodes. Yeah, I think I have too. Um, I there there were spots where I was like, eh, not so great. But I think the ending of this episode and um, a lot of the stuff that happens along the way is really good. It's really good, and I, I was excited by the end of this. You no, know, yeah. by the possibilities. Let's let's get into it then. Okay, we start off with John readying to leave Castle Black. And they bring out Tormund. They set him free. Everybody's like, mm, I, don't, I don't like this. Yep. Especially Alistair. Um, he walks up, gives command of Castle Black to, to Alistair, and he basically says, uh, I think this is a shit idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my job to inform you that you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, that sort of Your thing. Your shit's all fucked up. And you talk like a <laughs> southerner. And then Sam gives a John South some uh, dragon glass. Yeah. And then John heads out. My only... Uh, so I got a couple of observations here. Number one, as I mentioned in the instant cast, seems like the first thing you do is break that dragon glass down to arrowheads. Okay. I mean, job number one. Mm-hmm. Can uh, you do that on the road? Like- I, I, I I would imagine. I would imagine. Job number right. one is actually for Stannis to dispatch a, a crack mining crew to Dragonstone and get as much of that shit as possible. They, they need Egret here, right? What? Like to make those arrowheads. There you go. And she could make arrows, she, no problem. Just right in a field. No yeah. problem at all. Uh, Maybe they should train Ollie to do it. Step two is definitely to break this down into dragon glass. Uh, Ollie more kills archers. I don't think he actually makes... Okay. He, right. He's not a bower. Uh, do you think that John suspected the complete viper's nest he was leaving Sam behind in? It didn't seem like it. Because on the second watch, it, it actually looked like, you know, the recognizable faces that we know support Sam are John and Ed. Mm-hmm. And both of those guys are riding north to this hard home location. Sam is left behind with Sir Alistair Thorne. Now, maybe John thought better of him. Because, of Alistair? Yeah, because I was kind of disappointed, too. I was, I, I thought, the you know, that he, I don't know, he just came across as a as a giant asshole in this episode. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of ways of reading the scene where he, he says, you're losing all your friends, Tali. Yeah. Uh, one is watch your caboose. Yeah, one is a warning, the yeah. other is a threat. I know? took it as the threat, but you, you got a you got. I kind of did the there. first time, too, and then I read, like, some, I, I think it was on the forums, some people were talking about it, and... Mm-hmm. They made the point, like, it could also just be a warning. And the second time through, I was kind of looking for that. So I was like, yeah, I guess it could be. Um, yeah, I guess so, it So I guess it depends on your reading there. And I always thought that he is an interesting character because it's it's not hard to imagine him as a Jon Snow type that came to the wall and then he's just been ground down by 20, 30 sure. years of futility and bullshit and dealing with these idiots. So uh-huh. I, I, I more sympathetic than I think a lot of show watchers are to his character, but I still, it's like, he just seems, seems like a giant asshole. I mean, it'd be yeah. cool if Sam had said, yeah, same thing to you, buddy. I just saw, <laughs> I saw your number one fan get his head removed. So uh-huh. what do you got? Yeah. I, the more I think about like the night's watch, I'm thinking, why does, does the realm trust this group of doofuses to protect them? Like they're the only thing standing between them and winter 
ostensibly, I right? I they take it serious. They don't take winter they seriously? Take gar- they take guarding the wall roughly as serious as we take, you know, guarding the Canadian border. Okay. Like, it doesn't even come to our... We, we're not even... The thought that Cana- Canada... Canada... The thought that Canada would invade us is not even something that we occupy. For, I mean, there's never been a movie made, sure. as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, there's been one in reverse, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Cut, of course. No, no, there's one called Maple Dawn. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's, so it's like they just don't... They just, the thought that it would actually be a serious invasion of wildlings, first of all, it would be a northern problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the realm just doesn't give a shit. Number two, it just it doesn't seem serious. Like, the last thing time that shit really seriously went down was thousands and thousands of years ago hmm. like the, on that type of a human time span it's kind of amazing that they still keep that institution alive in the form that it is yeah yeah so i mean it's, right. one could argue you could just leave the wall up there and <laughs> then just have the northern lords ride down any wilding raiding parties and just fuck the whole thing sure the wall itself yeah. is kind of now it's just like a punishment yeah it really is it's a penal colony hmm. okay uh, anyway, we go to Master Eamon, and he is sick in bed. Sam and Gilly are bringing him a baby to pet. I don't, I don't know. He, <laughs> he likes petting babies. Uh, he, he likes it. He tells them, bring the baby south before it's too late. Yeah. A warning to them. Uh, what, do, what do you make of that? Like uh, he, Sam has no friends up here. They're actively trying to uh, rape Gilly mm-hmm. during this episode. Do you mm-hmm. think he heeds that advice? Says, you know what? I'm going to break my vows because... These are a bunch of losers anyway. I'm not sure, because it might surprise you to know that this is not how it happens in the books. No, yeah, I know that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it seems clear that, I don't know, Sam, if he has Ghost with him, can hold off the Black Brothers for as long as he needs. That's true. But also, we've seen the limits of what a direwolf can do in you know, the aftermath of the Red Wedding, like mm-hmm. against a bunch, you know, if like the Black Brothers decide, all right, we're going to get 12 of us together with crossbows and spears and we're going to kill this thing so we can sure. have our way with Sam. There's nothing stopping him. So it does seem like it is a a position that he cannot hold. I wonder if that will be the determining factor. Like they come after Ghost and he goes up, oh, time to head out. Well, I mean, like I said, I hope they don't. He doesn't wait that long because I like Ghost and I don't want him to him dead. <laughs> sure, yeah. And he's just a fucking dire wolf, so yeah, he's not cunning. He's not cunning like a man. I'm not saying he deserves it. Yeah, but these are shits up there. So. Sure, sure. Uh, Reek brings Santa some food, and she pleads with him to help her out of, of this tower she's in, or the cell, basically. She tells him light a candle in the tower; someone will come help. Reek takes the candle up to the tower where Ramsey is waiting for him. Yeah. Uh, first reaction on this was, oh, my God, Reek is in a ton of trouble. Sure. Because I felt like he might actually be helping her here. I did, too, because... And and Ramsey was just waiting for him. Yeah. Uh, I kind of... The way the scene was filmed, I was starting, like, I don't know if I buy that he would actually turn at this point. If he wasn't going to turn yeah. in the end of last episode, then mm-hmm. why would he hear... Um, but the way they shot it, I don't know there. It's man. I'm saying, I don't know a lot this episode. I apologize. (laughs) I don't know what to say because I felt like what we got here as payoff is kind of lame. And if they were going to do, I thought there was other interesting things they could have done with Ramsey. 
uh, and, and yeah. the setup here that they didn't. And I don't, but I, you know, I know that's like so boorish to be like, oh, well, they should have done it this way and have been brilliant. Everything's gone great. So I don't know. I, to me, this is just an indictment of the candle strategy. Okay. Like Brienne, sure. It's just another instance of her naivete. She mm-hmm. sees Littlefinger and Sansa at the, at the club and she gets down on one knee and pledges fealty instead of like hanging back and then making an observation here. She's like, Oh, light this candle. And then we find out that Sansa's locked in a cell mm-hmm. getting abused on a nightly basis. And she has no one that she can rely on. So sure. It's just another instance of Brienne cannot conceive despite everything she's been through that there are people this horrible <laughs> that like she picks a fairy. I mean, that's something you read out of a fairy tale, right? Light this candle in the highest tower of sure. the bro- or yeah. highest window of the broken tower. That's that's yeah. Then then let your hair out the window and I'll climb up exa- to save you. Like- and I wonder if that's deliberate because I kind of think that's interesting to show that she is kind of stuck in this. She's living a fairy tale version of a night still, uh-huh. which is kind of an endearing quality about her. But it ain't helping Sansa a bit <laughs> a, a, a whit. That's true. That's true. Um, I I think maybe eventually Reek will turn uh back to Theon. But I'm also glad that they didn't have him do that immediately. Yeah, and I will say that, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but or a lot last episode, that the whole idea of putting in a reek's head that he's Theon Greyjoy. Uh-huh. Uh having him play that role and then Sansa, I do think it felt like he she got through a little bit, like a little crack in his mind bright open. Not enough, but Ramsey's playing with fire, continually allowing him to explore that duality about his character. I feel like I'm not a psychologist. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. I'm I'm still really enjoying that part of the show. Yep. Uh, so th- there's a real quick shot of Brienne observing the tower, and nothing's happening. Um, and then we go over. That's to, other fate. How long does a candle last? Do you think a couple hours? Uh, yeah. Is Brienne maybe. watching this at three o'clock in the morning? Is her and Pod watching in shifts? Probably. Is yeah. Pod falling asleep like a jackass? Yes. <laughs> like this, this, this plan is fraught with peril. Sure, not the greatest plan. Winter's coming. You just going to sit there in the exposed open air and wait for this fucking candle? I guess so. Their horses are going to die. <laughs> uh, so, so they don't have forty-seven to lose. They do not. Uh, Amon's hallucinating. Uh, he's got a, got fever dreams here. He's calling out to Egg, and then he dies. Yeah. And the next day we see Sam speaking at his funeral where they burn his body. And then Alistair tells Sam, you're losing all your friends, Charlie. <laughs> and Sam sees some dude eyeing him. What is this guy's name? I don't even remember. Uh, they are doing, I feel like that there is, uh, there's an attempt to get, a, to have us get some screen time with some of the big wigs of the Night's Watch. Like they've talked about the, the first builder and the first steward and all this other stuff. Uh-huh. They're trying to get a, them established to what end, I don't know. But I feel like that they are trying to get some screen time to some villains, some some new villains at the wall since we've lost, you know, a lot of recognizable faces in the carnage of last season. Sure. Yeah, a lot of them. But uh, I don't know how, I mean, you're not a book reader. How effective is it? Do you, are you, are any of these faces sticking at least? Uh, Yeah, I think the redhead guy is going to stick this time. It's always the um, ginger. Yeah, but he's not like a first builder or anything like that, is he? He's no, just I think a he's peon. just an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> sure. He's sure. either a horse thief, a murderer, or a rapist, <laughs> or all of the and, above. And now he's got attempted rapist, whichever mm-hmm. to to whatever is being added to. Um, I, there's a lot of really cool nods, like this whole sequence of him crying out for egg, and I dreamed that I was old. It's a very poignant scene from the books, and I thought it translated well. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know what that's all about. So his brother 
was Aegon, mm-hmm. who was known in his youth as Egg. And there's a whole chronicles of like a in, in a uh, graphic novel form and some short stories about the Duncan Egg travels about when he was a boy. So this is kind of like fan service for the 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 not just book readers, but the people that have re- gone and read like the novellas and chronicles yeah, and all that extended stuff. universe stuff. But this particular scene when he refers to that, this that kind of like unites those stories together. And he's old. Mm-hmm. He's almost 100 years old. Yeah, and he's an old dude. There's an interesting thing on the inside edition of Game of Thrones where the producers were talking about how they think Eamon was the first person to die of natural causes on the show. Yeah, and I, that's, they're probably right. <laughs> and that he also served as the moral compass and kind of like the counselor for John and Sam and that that's intended to show to, to be a commentary on the world, hmm. um, which I thought, yeah, like I said, I, I thought it was appropriately somber and mournful. And it's yeah, too damn bad that John wasn't there to see it. Sure. Uh, I, I like how... I don't know who... Like, what is Sam at this point? Sam isn't, like, a first builder. Sam isn't, no. like, a... He was the, he was the uh, steward of... Uh, uh, what do you call that? What did they call John? John was the steward of the, the old of, bear, right? Of something, yeah. I think he was the personal steward of Master Eamon. So, all right. So that must be why he's speaking here, then. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, I took it, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise, like, they, they pass the torch around to several people who light the corners, and Which, I was wondering what the significance of all those people are. I, think I mean, I know were, Alistair is obviously Lord Commander. He's Well, he's the at, first. At the moment. Acting Lord Commander, First Ranger. Yeah. I think it's like First Ranger, First Builder, First Stewart, um, whoever the leader of the various factions. Um, okay. Because you've got the fighters, you got the builders. So does Sam, the, like, become the de facto replacement for... I don't. I honestly couldn't tell you. I would be surprised because I feel like that that would be jumping several rungs of Black Brother hierarchy. But then again, Jon Snow's Lord Commander. (laughs) I don't think that's an elected position either. I think that's something that the like Lord Commander would appoint. Oh, okay. That's. But again, I don't really know. I don't know the politics Hmm. of that. I don't think we've seen it. So I guess depending on what you think of Alistair. Sam might be in line for that. Yeah, and and like whatever Sam he does, if John makes it back safe and sound. Yeah, if <laughs> um, if he makes it back safe and sound, then I would think that he could do whatever the hell he wants. Sure, sure. Like whatever Sam, you know, if Sam is chief stable scrubber, he could elevate him to <laughs> which he will be by sure. the end of this. I'm sure if it's up to Alistair. Uh, th- I mean, he's the only guy equipped, in my opinion, to even come close to replacing Mister Amon. But we haven't seen any of these guys. That's true. I mean, of the people we've seen, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we've seen this like long haul of all the brothers. There's like maybe a hundred all told from all the different places after, again, the carnage of last season. Yeah. But we don't know any of them. So sure. I don't know if there's any likely candidates. <laughs> there's any uh, first stewards of Eastwatch by the Bay or the Shadow Tower. Who knows? All right. Let's move on. Ramsey lays out the situation with Stannis to Sansa. He says uh, Stannis is coming down here, but they've got weather on their side, basically. Um, and then she says, you know, you, you've got an unborn brother on the way. He's he's bragging about, oh, I'm going to be the warden of the north and you'll be my lady and all this stuff. And she's like, uh, you got a little brother on the way and he's got a much stronger claim to to this warden position than you do. So uh, are you worried about that? And Ramsay tries to play it off. Um, I will say this about Sansa. She is not afraid of Ramsay. Um, yeah. not in this, you know, I mean, what else can he do to her? Right. That's the thing. Do you, do you think that Sansa knows that she is untouchable in the sense that he can't like maim or kill her? He can torment her like in she other knows ways. That. Really? Yeah. Because I think 
that that's the one other kind of disappointment as I was really hoping to see a scene of Roos, uh, you know, kind of like taking Ramsey to task for failing yet again to learn the lesson he's trying to patiently teach him. Like, look, you can be a sadistic asshole. You just kind of kind of keep it on the down low. Yeah. And you can't treat just, your wife this way. Because yeah, do it where it's appropriate. It, yes. <laughs> and go to the cruelty room. Yeah. yeah. That's where you keep the cruelty and contained. Don't take the important people there with you. They, they'd leave all the people that, you know, people would care about. Yeah. Uh, out of the situation. Uh, so so then Ramsey tells her that uh, John is Lord Commander in the Night's Watch, which she didn't know. It seemed to really blow her hair back. Yeah, seemed like it. Uh, Any wheels turning in her head about that? I don't know. I don't know what that gets her at this point. It gets, I mean, her, a, it gets her a sympathetic a, man with a military force backing him. Yeah, like a military force, though. Yeah, I Compared know. to Bruce's force. Sure. I mean, he's not worried about Stannis. He's sure as hell not worried about... The Night's Watch. You the know? St- I mean, if Sansa doesn't know about if Sansa doesn't know about John, I feel like there's no way she knows about Stannis. Although no, well, he no, tells she her. Does. Yeah, Littlefinger yeah. told her. Never mind. Retracted. Well, I, Ramsay tells her in that scene. Does he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Stannis is on his way. Uh, anyway, the, then he takes her over to see the the woman he's killed, the woman who said the North remembers yeah. when she arrived. Um, a couple of things here. First of all, how the hell does he know who? this lady is and that this lady was helping Sansa. That's like, I watched question. these scenes multiple times trying to figure out how he spotted her, that's a good how question. he sussed her out. And I, I couldn't determine it. Yeah. I, that's a good question. Um, it could be that he did some rough interrogation of other people at Winterfell and led, I mean, I don't know. And I don't know that it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's an, I don't think it's super important for us to know. Yeah. But I, mean, I think it's plausible that he could torture a few people. I mean, how many people have been in contact with Sansa? That list is probably vanishingly small. Uh, he can't torture Fat Waldo. He can't torture his father. Uh, <laughs> Theon turned turncloak on her. So yeah, yeah. there's not a whole lot of people that that, could, that list could be. Okay. Uh, that's the, then the thing is that I, think, I feel like that this is showing us that Ramsey's kind of an idiot. Because to torture someone to death... And not have any scope about, like, he doesn't know if there's a a person on the other side of the wall, if there's a hundred, if there's a thousand, if it's mm. the whole fucking united force of the northern, great northern houses. It's Stannis. And, and Stannis. There. That they're, yeah. Uh-huh. That, I mean, it seemed foolhardy, and I think we're supposed to see him as kind of, again, short-sighted and puts his own passions above what's right for him and his house. Yeah, I think you're right. If If that's not what they intend here... Or, you know, over the course of the last couple episodes, then I think they're making a mistake. Right. But I'm going to go with that for now. Did you think that uh, him half expecting a fat bearded beast was a shot at Sam? Oh, no. I thought it was a shot at his his father's wife. Uh, well, to be fair, Fat Walda has no beard. Okay. True. <laughs> but <laughs> like he expected, beast? he's like, oh, here's my father's standards. Here's what I'm going to get. Uh, true. It's probably what he expected. Uh, did you, you of course notice she she grabbed that corkscrew? Yeah, which I apparently is the the proper term is called a bung bore. Uh, oh, it's, sure, it it's is. it's yes. the device that you use to uh, bore a hole through a, like a cask of yeah. ale or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not going to make any jokes because that wouldn't be appropriate in these circumstances. Of course not. But she has a perfectly good neck chain spike if she needs to do some shivin. What's the deal yeah. with this corkscrew? I didn't see her wearing the necklace this time. 
Did well, you? no, but I mean, do you I wonder think if it's that... taken? Because she's she doesn't have like the clothes she had before. She looks like she's True. in some kind of like just undergarment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's all been taken from her. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think she. I don't know if she's going to try and kill Ramsey with this. I think that's probably a bad idea. Well, there is some sharp-eyed fans that notice that there's a great deal of similarity between this tool that she picked up and the tool that Ramsey was using to torture Theon's foot in okay. an, an earlier season, like that little foot screw thing. All right. Do you think that will be turned against Ramsey? Do you think that Sansa might try to get the upper hand of Theon by torturing him? <laughs> that's what like, I was, if you, that's you're afraid of Ramsey, yeah. well... You know, wow, that's dark. <laughs> yeah, no, it's but turnabout. Uh, I would say is fair play in this case. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know where that's going. I think, I think all of that is a possibility. Um, but it would be a little foolish to try to kill Ramsey because if if she doesn't succeed, she's in super hot that's water. The thing. And she's it's, probably going to get killed. It seems like a suicide mission. Yeah, if she does succeed, how does she get out of there? That's what I'm saying. It's a suicide mission, regardless. I mean, of she'd have to go up to the not. tower, light the candle, and just yep. sit there and hope, and hope that why the candle is conspicuously lit. Yeah, and while like, I mean, unless she's gonna like thief it and hide his body in a <laughs> cask or something, full on splinter cell. Yeah, Sansa, Sansa yeah. agent. I don't know. It's Do interesting. You, are you surprised we haven't seen Miranda? Which, if if you're not sh- up on her name, that's uh, Ramsey's favorite torture horror. Yeah. Uh, it didn't seem like that was over by a long shot. Do you, well, do you think we are going to find out what happened to it and we're not going to like it? Because oh boy. last we saw, she was given Sansa's unauthorized sass. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the last we've literally seen of her. I think so. All right. Yeah, I, I, don't, I know. don't know where she is. I don't know where that's going, but probably bad places. Probably. So we go to Davos up in the north. He he's, comes into Stannis. He tells him... We're losing horses, we're losing food and men to the weather. And he tries to convince Stannis to go back to Castle Black for the winter, and Stannis says, no way, uh, we're doing this now. And then when he leaves, Stannis asks Melisandre if she's sure about this whole thing. She is, but she also wants to burn Shireen, or eat her heart, or something, I I don't know. Right. Whatever this witch does. Uh, Stannis tells her to go fuck herself. Yep. Good job. Good job, Stannis. You've sure. finally done something that I appreciate. Sure. But telling her to fuck off is not going to bring the Stormcrows back, and it's not going to bring the horses back. Although, it's true. There, to a certain extent, this is a, a supply and demand problem. The men are hungry. The horses are dead. The men can eat the horses. Everybody's sure. happy. Uh-huh. Uh, except for the poor fuckers that have to walk through the massive winter snowdrifts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I honestly didn't realize that the winter was going to come this fast, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been, it's well, they been four and a half seasons too. now, sure, and sure. it's like, is this winter ever going to come? Um, so now it's starting to actually affect Stannis. And I didn't think it was going to affect him that much, but, mm. you know, he's removing pieces from his board, literally. I, yeah, I I enjoyed that aspect too. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if they're doing enough to sell the harsh uh, Westerosi winter yet. Yeah, because, I didn't feel like it was enough to kill anybody. Like, I don't think you'd cancel school with that kind of snow, let alone cancel your <laughs> desperate march no, to Winterfell. If you're in Atlanta, you do. Uh, and I've seen them do like convincing like snowstorms and stuff before in this show. Yeah. And, uh, so uh, I'm thinking of like you know that first scene in season two, like the aftermath of the Battle of the First Men, where Sam is kind of lost in the snow. Yep, they can do that. So I'm like, kind of surprised they didn't show it as m- more than a mild inconvenience. Yeah. Like that's snow yeah, angel right. weather. That's not, oh my God, horses are freezing to death weather. 
Yeah, I mean, they made a point of them just not being prepared for it, I guess. You know, like the people in the north all have sure. big, thick coats, and yeah. they know how to survive in this this weather, and Stannis' armies really don't. Yeah. So I guess that's the only factor there. That yeah. would be... They're not equipped for winter. That's a good point, but still. But still. It does make me wonder how bad it's going to be for John. Because John's going the other direction. Yeah, that's a fair point. And if people are people and horses are dying going south, you got to imagine north is worse. Yep, yep, good point. Oh boy, uh, I I don't know what else to say about this other than I'm I'm super glad that Stannis is refusing to kill Shireen. Um, and I I kind of agree with his his idea of what needs to go on here. If he retreats to Castle Black and waits out the winter, who knows how long it'll be, and someone else will be on the throne. Yeah. Um, Especially this winter, which could be especially a bad winter. Um, It could be filled with ice zombies. I mean, that's the reason that he went to the wall in the first place. Yeah. Um, To defend the realms of men. It could be a real shit show, sure. Yeah. So if he waits, I don't know that he'll get another opportunity. Anyway, Gilly's doing laundry when a couple of brothers come in and try to rape her. Sam tries to stop them, but they beat him up. Um, fortunately, he is able to stall them long enough for Ghost to come in and run the brothers off before yeah. Gilly's harmed. Yeah, they really beat the shit out of him. Oh, my God. He's like Homer Simpson level taking headshots in this. The kick to the face, especially. <sighs> yeah. Didn't even lose any teeth. No. He's, Good for the, him. The, he needs those teeth. They've, they've yeah. been... Grown strong through years of chomping. <laughs> I imagine he could probably take a punch. He's a, a pretty thick dude. Yeah, heck yeah. But he took a lot of punches. He took a lot of punches. <laughs> Might be a little punch drunk. Yeah. Uh, he still has one friend, Ghost. Yeah, well, what the hell, Ghost? Is he just kind of licking himself in the corner, waiting for the dramatically appropriate time to I growl guess. menacingly? It's like, you know, I thought you had him, Sam, but I guess mm-hmm. I'll get, you know, as much as I'm enjoying this whole licking myself thing, I guess <laughs> I'll come and, and bare my teeth for you. Yeah, I don't know. Ghost Ghost knows how to make a dramatic interest. Sure. No, I, uh, I enjoyed seeing him. Yeah. It's been too long since we've seen some direwolf action. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Sam, so I like to see him, you know, despite the odds, standing up for Gilly here. I wish he'd done some kind of damage to those guys. Because he has killed a White Walker <laughs> and a Thin. I mean... Yeah... I get it that he's pathetic and and all that, but I was definitely he was rooting also for swinging him too. a sword. Yeah. yeah, I thought like he, he just, wouldn't kill the guys, but maybe he'd give him a scar or something, cut their arm. Yeah, there you go. Like Braun got. I don't know. Uh, anyway, we we see right after that that Gilly's telling Sam that he shouldn't have helped her out, but Sam instead vows to take care of her and little Sam, and then Gilly humps him. Yep, climbs on top of that beast and rides it. Yep, she took when he when the master Amon said you need to take care of little Sam. I think she got her wires crossed. <laughs> oh God! Because, <laughs> oh no! Uh, also, another conveniently well behaved baby. That sure. baby, when you need him to, will just sit in the corner and sit through hours of sex position. Apparently so. Involving yeah. Sam and Gilly. Uh, all right, let's let's move on. Oh, special Jorah. treat! I I, I I this is the passage I'm going to recount in our. Uh, uh, audible ad for this week. Is it particularly funny in the oh, book? Well, first of all, George R. R. Martin sex scenes are a thing are a thing of awe and wonder. Okay, and this is perhaps the best the the best example. Are they just awkward? Oh well, we'll you'll, hear you'll find out. We'll hear I don't em. want to spoil the surprise. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. So we go up to Jorah. 
Uh, he's being sold to slavers, and Tyrion manages to weasel his way into also being bought by the same slaver. Yeah. And then they head out. Uh, I guess the slaver buys Tyrion because he's funny. Beating yeah. a man, uh, a dwarf beating a man is funny. Right. And yeah. there's a lot of, like, uh, some Easter eggs for book readers because Jorah, uh, he talks about he was, like, the, the first one through the walls of Spike is a corruption of the the invasion of Pike when they're putting down the first Greyjoy rebellion. Mm-hmm. He was actually one of the first few men through the wall, but the real first man through the wall was Thoros of Myr, last seen resurrecting Beric Dondarrion with his flaming sword. All this is just being a tr- I like the game of telephone that they're using obscure like book battles and mashing up the details and then Jorah's face is sitting there like, "Okay, sure. Sure. <laughs> I was the first one through Spike with my flaming sword and I killed Cal Drogo with it. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I did notice that it changed from killing one of Cal Drogo's no, yeah. assistants or whatever to yeah. actually him. It's literally a game of uh, telephone. <laughs> Good stuff. I mean, the, the Slaver wants to get as much as he can for his, sure. his merchandise. No cock merchants found in this group, unfortunately. I would have liked to have seen what a cock merchant looks like uh, well, and how, I mean, he, how he signifies himself. You know... Uh, you, you bake one cake and it doesn't make you a baker, but you sell one cock, you're a cock merchant. I submit really? you have seen a cock merchant okay. and he is the dude that sold Tyrion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Although it was for his wit, not his, his member. So maybe not. Technicality. Mm. Uh, I, I felt like this was stretching it a little bit. The Tyrion, like Tyrion has talked his way into Tyrion's member. No, 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 no. I don't think T- it needs Tyrion... it. I mean, the reputation is there. It speaks I, I for know. itself. It's full size, you know? <laughs> uh, I No, I felt like it was a stretch for him to once again talk his way out of a bad situation. Uh-huh. Like, there there was no reason for this guy to buy him. Sure. Him being funny. No, this is... Is that really the reason he's buying him? This is a total C-3PO R2-D2 moment. Yeah. I need yeah, this I, guy for some weirdly defined purpose. I just... You gotta have him. Yeah, I, be a bad, I really didn't like it very the, much. The, 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 the movie, the subsequent movie series and television show will not work if, unless we take them as set. So obviously, despite all rational logic, yeah. you have to take us. But you know, I love Star Wars. I can't argue. I can't. I can't argue with what they're doing here in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I, I do like that he tries to press his luck even further and he gets <laughs> smacked in the face he, for he, it. <laughs> Picks the wrong shop to preach labor laws and minimum <laughs> wage and all that. No. Yeah. Well, he has a good point. You know, they're going to Marine. The slaves are free there. You can't walk in with a couple of slaves in shackles. Can't you? Apparently you can. Because that's I mean, the that's... thing. I wonder if that's a little sly commentary for people to like are thinking this through hard. It's like, well, but wait a second. You can have. Whoosh, you know, it's the double D's essentially giving you. Just shut okay. up, you. Yeah. Shut up, you. And it could also be saying that, you know, Danny, Danny's will is not necessarily being enforced right. in that city. Yeah, but I, I like the double D saying, like, look, we are essentially trying to get condense 477 pages into three scenes. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. All right, uh, let's move on. Dario and Danny are laying in bed. Dario's trying to figure out why Danny married his dar. Uh, he half-jokingly suggests that Danny marry him instead. I I felt like that was kind of a joke, but was he it? was just testing the waters. I don't know. I think that's kind of the feeling you're supposed to get. Like, okay. I felt like he it, wanted to, but he wasn't going to outright suggest it in more than a joking way. Yeah, I feel like the Dario is a very hard guy to pin down. Okay. Unless you're Danny and you roll on top of him. <laughs> but he's he's kind of hard. He's he's a little uh he's a little slippery. All right. 
Well, he's, he's a sweaty guy, you know, he fights a lot. That's that's true. So uh, she, she says, eh, nah, no thanks. And he tells her that she should kill all the masters during the great games. I feel like that's sound advice. This path of the middle pleasing no one is not working. Yeah, I mean, he susses out, you know, exactly what I suspected last episode, which is she's marrying his dar to try this political quelling of of the the uprising uh i i don't know there there are indications that it's that it's working here's the thing danny's playing fuck kill mary with marine and her answer is always masters kill the masters fuck the masters marry the masters do it all like that's that you can't you can't get away with that in a drinking game let alone (laughs) politics you got you got to make hard choices danny (laughs) you can't fuck mary and kill everyone that's true. It's true. Although uh, she is a Targaryen. Do what she wants, I guess. That she can do what she's, It's her hot body. She can do what she wants. I don't know. I mean, do you think it's working? We haven't seen any more of the Sons of the Harpy. Well, that's a very good question. Is this a smoking gun that uh, Dario is suggesting that this is all uh, his Dar's doing? This is uh, he, he's, he's playing an expert game of chess here? Could be. I mean, he was gambling with his life earlier on. I mean, it's that's that's one of the interesting things about this whole mirror knees knot is you're, I think, supposed to constantly question. Yeah. Is this because she is taking a less hardline stand and is paying more respect to their culture and not, you know, uh, fucking over the ruling class? Or is this because this is an elaborate scheme that they've engineered mm-hmm. um, in as in, you know, fiction as in life? It's kind of hard to tell sometimes. Yeah. Seems like it's really, it. really hard to tell. Uh, and then at the end, he leaves her with. The words of wisdom that all rulers are either butchers or meat. Great line. Pretty, from the books. pretty ominous. Yep. Uh, Lady Elena tries to convince the High Septon to release Loris and Marjorie. When he refuses, she tries to, to bribe him, buy him off. He turns it down, so she goes back at him with threats, and he's unfazed, and he leaves. And then outside, uh, Lady Elena gets a note from Littlefinger. I think this... You know, I I feel like I'm saying this as a pattern, but I think this is kind of brilliant is that the show is asking you, who do you believe the the lady Olena, who has been established as someone who is a professional at sussing out frauds and their true motives or your own lying eyes and ears? Because the high Septon is essentially accepting that like, yeah, I get it. You're good at this, but you've never met a true blue person. Yeah, is the High Septon the only true blue person in the in in the entire world that we've met so far uh-huh. outside of Brienne, or is he up to something? But what he wants is not something the Lady Olena or Cersei can give him. I get the feeling that he is actually doing what he believes. That's frightening as well. Sure, in a different way, but yep. an empowered religious fanatic that just is convinced that he knows how the world should be is really scary. Yeah, I find it interesting that, I mean, I guess he doesn't have anything on Elena. She's kind of immune to his... Her glory days were yeah. before recorded history. There's Those scrolls yeah. have been lost. And she didn't do any lying to try to cover up her uh, right. her son's deeds. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely feel like he's he's a believer, a true believer. Does he... Here's the thing I don't understand. Does he genuinely believe, and maybe he does as a religious fanatic, it's it's interesting because I just listened two weeks ago to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History episode about the uh, the uh, Anabaptist Rebellion in Munster. Oh, yeah. Okay. And there you had a true blue believer 
that was getting all these signs from God, and he legitimately believed he could beat this whole army, and we know this because he strapped on armor, and him and like five of his followers went out and got, and then got butchered by uh, a professional army in front of the entire city of horrified onlookers. Yeah. So is he that kind of? Is he like a Anabapt- Anabaptist re- rebel type of figure? Or does he mm. think that he's got some real shot at taking on the combined might of the Lannister and Tyrell forces? Because again, he's got a bunch of dudes in black robes and hammers. But, but he, so I feel like his comments at the end of this scene are telling as to what he thinks. Um, uh, when the many stop fearing the few, that's the scary part of him, right? Maybe if, that's he would welcome like an over response by either the crown yeah, or to become parties. a martyr or something, um, and then enable the the many to overtake the few. Uh, like, that's where I feel his power comes from, not from any kind of physical might. Right on. It's it's the political whim of the people. Good take. Good take. Okay. <laughs> Which is why Cersei's in such a hard spot, and Tommen is in such a hard spot. If he goes yeah. off killing people, uh, killing the Septim, he's probably going to have issues with the people. And they did a good job of showing religion. that the people already have kind of turned against the Yeah, Lannisters. yeah, shouting bastard in the streets. and yeah. All this stuff that was King. that was back even when the Joffrey days, but apparently, yeah, you know, you got to think from a common, simple person. If you you look on the outside and you see everything that's happened to the to the Baratheon uh, rule, that you know the king died, and then the son got there, and and he killed the hand, and then they dismissed the 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 Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, which everyone, all the common folk, really looked up to as his hero and mm-hmm. like his bastion of integrity. It does look like the wrath of the gods are falling upon the rule of this house. Sure. So this is all kind of politically working out the way the Sparrow wants it to. Now, I don't know what the penalty is in the seven-pointed star for buggery and perjury, as he puts it, but it's got to be pretty stiff, right? <laughs> There's so much Archer phrasing going on in no, our podcast right now. We've, there's nothing stiff about perjury. Come on. We've got to stop. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting points that in the books, uh, the, the buggery thing is not that big a deal. Hmm. Okay. It's not like the abomination that son, you know, sons and daughters born of incest are, for example. Um, mm. It's something that maybe is mildly distasteful. I don't know. But... In the show, it seems like in the show universe that homosexuality is kind of like a pretty big deal. Hmm. Okay. It's like illegal and punishable by death, you know, kind of big deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, The other thing that's happening here that could happen, uh, I know you want to see some kind of democratic system set up in Westeros uh, at the end of this this whole thing. Do you think that that's a possibility if the many rise against a few here or do you think it's going to end up as like a theocracy or something well i don't know that's interesting because pure democracy is kind of scary too you have the tyranny of the majority trampling over the minority sure like your homosexuals and uh you know your your bastards and your people of it's we've seen a lot of in in real human history of like popular uprising revolts and they're not often pretty i think that's something i've said i think in the spoiler edition that I've elaborated more about my thoughts about how, like, the democracy, my my hope for Westeros is democracy sweeps it in some form. But I think, I kind of wonder if he's going with this High Sparrow deal showing that, oh, you can't just give power to the people because then you've got, you know, good, just because you're born highborn doesn't mean you're a bad person. 
Uh, so you get a lot of like your scholars and a lot of your leaders are put to death because people are just mad and angry about how the world is working for them. So hmm, I, okay. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 not as simple as just say, yeah, the people should take the power because there needs to be rules and check uh, and checks and balances and all that constitution and. Sure. You know, some kind of uh, Magna Carta type situation to limit the past or else you get a tyranny of the majority. And that's not good either. Yeah. All right. Uh, Marcella. Oh, no. Sorry. Skipped a scene here. Tommen is pissed off that the queen is in prison. and He's pissed off that he's impotent. And uh, instead of Tommen sending in the army, Cersei promises to talk to the High Septum for him. Uh, (laughs) Can the king... Just take the High Septum out of power. I think like so. Like, Cersei appointed him. Why couldn't he just say, you're no longer the official uh, faith militant? Well, I mean, this goes back to Varys's parable of the three men with power. You know, a rich man, a king, and a septon tells a, a a man with a sword to kill somebody. Who does he listen to? Um, And, yeah, sure. If, if Tommen has enough political alliances and enough swords that he can call to around his banner, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Yeah. I now, just wonder if he could do it without upsetting the people. Well, I mean, oh, the open question is, would what would Kevin Lannister do if he got the order to march the armies down to uh-huh. put down this popular rebellion? What would the Tyrells do? Mm-hmm. And who else can he call? Because, like, it's starting... I feel like that they're trying to show in the show that there's, this is kind of like a balance, that... When he first came to talk to High Septon, he could have had his Kingsguard sweep this fe- this vermin out, and it had been done. Yeah. The second time he went during the trial and they they stole the queen, he might have to call all the gold cloaks to uh-huh. go in there and bust things up. He probably could have got it done. Now he's talking about open war. I wonder, like, if every episode is this, you know, Sparrow's power seems to to grow and his grip gets tighter on the city. I wonder if there's anything to be done with it by by the end here by whatever end game we're going to. Yeah, I mean, Cersei has a fair point in this scene about uh, who the first casualty of that war would be. Right. It's Marge, uh, which yeah, is she, a bummer, if you're Tommen. Sure, and now it's an extra bummer, right? Because you say what you want about Cersei, but Tommen definitely loves his mother. So now that they have two pawns, two potential uh, sacrificial people here, uh, that that's even more dangerous for Tommen if sure. he decides to declare this war. Sure, and Tommen, I like Tommen. I think he's a good boy. And if yeah. if Tywin had lived long enough to mold him into a a good leader, it'd have been interesting. But he's just a boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he goes to a small council and because his mom's gone now, if he goes to a small council and says, "Now what?" He's got Grand Maester Pycelle, who is an idiot, and Kyburn, who is one. <laughs> Just send the mountain in. Is man. a pointed hat away from being a full on warlock. I mean, <laughs> this is not this is not great. Like, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I wish Mace Tyrell were around. Mm, yeah, uh, to to, he's to give to some Bravos. advice to make a couple of lame jokes because that's better than what he's going to get from his small council. You think we see Mace by the end of this season again? Uh my money Either is on him, yes. Him or his body, one of the two. My money is is on yes. Okay, yeah. all right. Because uh, he's he is, you know, he's another piece of this puzzle. As as ineffective as I think he would be in anything he tries to do, he is still part of that family. And he's the uh, he, he, he is in name the head of the family. Yeah, he does. He does kind of hold the keys to the Lannister kingdom in a way. 
Sure. It's he's more powerful than he looks. We'll right. say that. Right. So Marcella comes to see Jamie and they argue about whether she should come home. She tells him, Nope, I'm staying in Dorne. I like it here. You guys sent me away. What do you expect? Uh if I like ever... how she starts off with, Why aren't you blonde? Where's your hand? And Jamie somehow resists, like, bitch, you were recast since last we saw you. Don't talk to me about character changes. <laughs> was she? I don't know. Yeah, she remember. was. She was All right. different. And uh, it seemed like the old Marcel was a real sweetheart about it because she hmm. did this vine when Joffrey died. And she said uh, she had like she she was wearing a tiara with a sign that says I'm ready. And then when she found out she was recast, she ha- had a vine where she's sitting on the sidewalk with like, you know, will act for food. So <laughs> nice. And I'm not even sure why they replaced her. I they replaced know. a generically she... pretty blonde with another generically pretty blonde that's approximately the same age weird like i don't know if her agent big timed yeah and like you know we do realize we've replaced a mountain three times and he's a <laughs> hell of a lot more memorable than princess marcella you sobbed on a boat that's how people know you uh I, yeah i don't know i don't know but i wonder if there was a little bit of like ribbing at the fans about her calling in question how much he's changed when she's a completely different person could be could be <laughs> Uh, I gotta say though, if they ever do another Super Mario Brothers movie, she needs to play Princess Peach. She's got the. She's looking outfit. exactly like her. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Just put a tiara on her head, and boom. Yeah. Um, she needs an Italian plumber in her life. <laughs> what? All right. So the other thing I want to talk about this scene is, she says this has been my home for years. Mm-hmm. This feels like a really fucked up timeline. Like there is, on the one hand. Some of this stuff is supposed to have taken place, it feels like, fairly quickly. But on the other hand, she is here. Like, for example, I'll tell you why it's fucked up. Gilly had her baby in season two. Marcella was shipped off to Dorne in season two. Okay. Dorne has been her home for several years. This baby is still, like, six months old. Uh Uh-huh. There is some, like, I don't know if there's a super massive black hole underneath the wall. And, like, time is going much slower down there. Uh There's some Matthew McConaughey interstellar bullshit happening. But the timeline is a fucking mess. It is really a mess. Sam's books are going to start moving. Yeah, like, Rick's coma in The Walking Dead has nothing on on the chronological mishaps going on here. I don't know, man. I know they play a little bit with time, but not that much. Yeah. As far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, and I was just, you know, kind of expecting like, okay, well, you know, we've got this kind of fuzzy grasp on math and time. And I know that's, you know, it, it's something we talk in Breaking Bad. I like, you know, the whole series takes place in this roughly the span of 18 months, but it feels mm-hmm. like it's been years because that's how we're watching real time. But there is a little bit of a problem here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's a kid. Maybe she just feels like it's been forever. You yeah. Know? It's a long, it's a long, it's been a long summer. So Yeah. Summers used to last forever. That's the other when you're thing, a kid, man. That's the other thing I've often wondered, and I've never gotten a, a, a satisfying solution. How do they keep track of years in Westeros? Uh, when when I don't summers know. and seasons are variable length and can last for literal years, like I, I, I'm assuming they have some kind of celestial way of of marking events, but you know, weird. Yeah, like what kind of what's what kind of fucked up calendar do you use? I don't know the Dornish <laughs> calendar. There you go. It's always summer in Dorne, apparently. I think so, yeah. It's like uh, always sunny in Pennsylvania. Wait, shit. Philadelphia. Philadelphia, thank you. All right, before we move on, I want to talk to you briefly, Aaron, about uh, some old Valerian technology oh. that may have been lost. You've been paying attention to my lore lessons then. I have been, yeah. Uh, one of those things, if I'm not mistaken, was the ability to easily and quickly create websites without any 
any coding, right? Oh yeah, sure. That that technology has been lost for for centuries. Just just a few masters are left alive that can can successfully reforge the bits of HTML and CSS and in any kind of successful format. Yeah, and I mean it's it's a harsh world out there too. I mean, you look at guys like uh, Davos. How's Davos supposed to make a website? If he has to code it by hand, it's going to take him forever. He doesn't have any fingers on one of them. I know, man. He's, so, fight, he's fighting with one hand tied behind the keyboard. Now imagine if he could do it all with a mouse. Ooh. And some, some fancy tools, right? Mm. He could probably make his own website. What I'm saying is uh, Squarespace has rediscovered this old Valerian technology. The ability to easily and quickly create professional-looking websites uh, that anyone can do. Even Davos. All he needs is one hand, a mouse... And an onion. <laughs> exactly. You might not even need the onion. That's how easy it is. It's pretty easy. You don't even need a credit card. That's how easy it is. You can go to the site. You can sign up right now for a free trial. No credit card required. Check it out for 14 days. See if you like it. If you do like it, it's 8 bucks a month, and it comes with a free domain if you sign up for a year. And you can get 10% off by using our offer code GOT. Mm. How does that strike you? Strikes pretty good. I know. I know. There's a lot of people out there who've been wanting to start a Game of Thrones blog or a podcast. There you go. Or maybe even a company that could actually make money. Don't don't start a podcast if you want to make money. Oh, yeah, we can vouch for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they make it super easy. I tested it out, and as a guy who makes websites for a living at one point in his life, uh, this is way easier. Way way easier. So check it out. Uh, go use the offer code GOT. Get ten percent off your first order. Uh, all right. Where are we? Braun. We go to Braun singing the Dornishman's wife in his cell. Uh, no one but, I think her name is Tyene, Tyen. I don't yeah. know how you say that. No one but her is amused. You got Obara and then the other two. I'm not Obara, sure which. Obara Nim, one of them Nimiria is. Nimiria and Tyrena, Tyene. Tyene, I don't know how to say it. Anyway, uh, she strips for Braun, which causes the poison in his blood to go to his head. And when he collapses, she gives him the antidote. This is a scene I have a problem with. Sure. And I don't have the same problem that the internet's having with the, you know, her using her sexuality as a weapon and whether or not that's empowering, like all this stuff. Sure. My problem is just purely from a plot standpoint. It seems dumb. Telling us in the same fucking scene as he's cured that he's poisoned serves what purpose? I I mean, I... I, we have some interesting. We don't have time to worry about Bronze Health. We have some interesting emails about what this is going to be. You know, that made some alternative takes. But yeah, I it stuck out. I mean, I've always defended the show's sex position mm-hmm. because, like, if Littlefinger's giving a long monologue about how he came to power in his boyhood, throw some tits and ass in there. Why not? Why not make it visually interesting? This we didn't learn anything new about these characters. And there was, as you say, there was no real danger to Braun because he either lives and dies and that was resolved in the scene. So I guess it was a give us a scene to like get to know the Sand Snakes better since they've been kind of underdeveloped. Yeah, I think it shows a dynamic between the three of them a little bit mm-hmm. where Tyane is is you can see them rolling their eyes. The other two She's rolling the, their eyes when she starts this. Right. Um, like, oh, here she goes again. This yeah. this old trick, uh. So so I think it gives a little characterization to their relationship, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know. I mean, for as much as is made about Oberyn, we haven't seen a lot of the other Dornish people being 
hypersexual, you know? Yeah, that's and and true. there's whole society really being about that. And I feel like this helped that along a little bit. I mean, that's true. Like these are Oberyn's daughters. Oberyn famously invited Tywin to an orgy. It's kind of of a piece for that. But by the time we got yeah. to that scene, we took Oberyn serious as a character. Because sure. even during his yeah. introduction during the whorehouse, he also almost killed two Lannister guards effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Whereas these two, these three struggled to put away one and a half dudes. Yeah. It just nothing like they haven't done anything to merit what the show thinks we should feel about them. I, I mean, think you're right. It yeah. could be the double D's like, well, Oberon is a badass. These are his daughters. Mm-hmm. So the audience is just going to buy that they're badasses. I don't know that it's true. Yeah, I, I haven't seen much that tells me they're that amazing. Right. Um, I, I do get the distinct feeling that they want me to think that, though. Right. <laughs> like, every time else we're introduced to a badass, they do something really badass, like, yeah. within moments of doing it. And I'm talking men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here we're just, like, it's all trading on the name. Yeah. So. And again, I buy Obara. She, she seems to be the one of, of all of them. Like, you know, she actually did something. She speared a dude's head. Yeah. Uh, with her spear, I mean that's 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 some skill involved. The others, like you know, you got the whip and the dagger, and I haven't been impressed with the way they used them. Hmm, okay, so there you go. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, this thing's got a this show has got a thing for necklaces. Yeah, sure. Poisons, antidotes. There's all sorts of shit stored in necklaces. But that's kind of realistic, like you know, hollow rings and stuff like that. When the, in the days where poison was a major concern for people. Sure. A lot of times they did have, and that makes sense. If you're going to use a deadly poison that could kill you on your fucking blade where you might get that introduced in some blood of your own, hell yeah, you'll carry the antidote. Sure, on you, certainly. So, like, I didn't, there are some people have logic, like, why would you carry an antidote? It's like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why would you not, like, you run around with the rage virus and you don't, if you don't have an antidote, it, yeah, you're an idiot. It's like, I, I don't know. It's like uh, doing an experiment with fire and not having a fire extinguisher at hand. What the fuck are you doing? Unless you're Targaryen, and then it's like, cool. Sure, well, <laughs> we know they're fireproof. Uh, uh, although, point of fact, <laughs> Aemon Targaryen burnt like a piece of dry kindling. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have enough dragon blood. Uh, all right, Littlefinger surveys the damage uh, to his ransacked brothel. Lady Olenna tells him that their fates are joined together by killing the king, and he promises that he's working with her and tells her that he has a gift for her after she kind of threatens him. Yeah. Not not even kind of. She just outright says, hey, if I go down, you're going down too. Totally missed on the instant cast after seeing it once and talking about it five minutes later. We totally missed the fact that this is the other gift. The gift is Tyrion, yeah, yeah. but he also says specific, specifically, I have a gift, the same one I gave Cersei, a handsome young man. Yeah, who's a handsome young man? I'm trying to... There's a lot of... I feel like I should know that, but... You know what? I thought it was just going to be like, well, he's going to have... Uh, what's his face? Lawrence. Oliver. Oh, I thought... I thought he was saying, like, I'm going to have Loris released somehow. No, I thought that he was going to have Oliver killed. Okay. And I still think that that's probably a likely scenario. I mean, that would be, and you know, she she would probably enjoy that, but I don't know that that helps her. Why doesn't it? If the only, if the only witness to the crime is dead and can no longer give testimony. I, yeah, I guess. It felt although, like, to me, the damage was done already. Yeah, like the Sparrow's like, well, the guy's dead. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't think yeah. that would stand. Yeah. They'd just be like, he gave testimony during the original trial. But on my first and second watch, but there has been some compelling stuff sent in through the listeners. We'll get to in the feedback section. Okay, cool. They want to step on their toes. Uh, he also has some information, some other information that Cersei is unaware of. I don't know what that is either. I think it's connected to the handsome young man. 
like whatever information. Okay, I can see that. Or it could be like so. The popular theories are, uh, it could be Lancel, and that okay. he somehow. Prov- Although I, the way that it reads at the end, I don't think that Lancel has turned any new evidence. This is stuff that the High Sparrow has been sitting on this whole time. Oh yeah, dealing with Cersei. Yeah, definitely. Which really is interesting. Putting puts a context into earlier scenes that he has been he's been a spider mm-hmm. just waiting for her to to keep blundering further and further into his web, and now it's too late when she finally tries to get out. Yeah, and it feels like he's trying to uh, get as much accomplished as he can, and if he takes out Cersei right away, that may cause more of a problem. Sure. Than than picking off some of the Tyrells first. Sure. Uh, anyway, Jorah prepares to compete in the Great Games qualifiers. Danny's there, and she is disturbed by the killing until Jorah comes out and disables everybody without killing anyone. And then Danny, um, when he takes his helmet off, is not happy to see him. But Tyrion comes out and says, I am the gift from Jorah. My name's Tyrion Lannister. Uh, and, and, and dramatic end to the episode. Danny has no whether to shit and or go blind. Yeah, preferably both. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I gotta call some bullshit on his Dar's tradition talk. Why? I, he could tell her anything. Sure. Your grace, it's tradition among the old Giscari empire that the king gets a blowjob upon every morning on waking up. Sure. What? This does It's tradition. Uh, Riots in the streets. You don't want to upset the will of the people. No, man. no. Am I not a wise master? Like, come <laughs> on now. Come on. Yeah. No, uh... I don't know. You can see the smile on his face, too, which is interesting. Mm. Like, he's having the very opposite reaction of what she's having. Mm. Ah, I don't so know, I man. thought he this played that pretty close to the vest about whether he enjoyed this or not. You thought he enjoyed there's, it? There's one scene, yeah, where he's kind of off to the side, and you can see huh. a big smile on his face. Uh, whether that's intentional or not, I don't know. Okay. But the rest of the time, yeah, he's kind of trying to look uh, real dour or whatever. There's... I feel like this show is starting to get a little sloppy and stuff. For instance, why does Jorah have a big honking gold ring? He's a slave, you know. They give all their slaves gold rings. Well, they, they I don't essentially know. I don't strip know, everything of value from... I mean, he's not yeah. fought fighting in his plate armor. He doesn't sure. have his nice sword, but they let him keep that big honking ring and all of his bobble. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. That's really dumb, and it sticks out on multiple viewings. It's like, why... it. I feel like the the costume people, that was a big miss for them. Yeah. he should be stripped of everything that he had of value. Probably right. Uh, the other thing, why was Tyrion chained up? No one else was chained up. The door's locked. Tyrion is the only one chained up. I don't know, man. I really don't know. That makes no sense. It doesn't. Because they, they don't escort Jorah out there. Right. They leave him unchained all alone. I think that there's a compelling uh, post on the internet that claimed that the big fat dude that freed Tyrion, which you could say that Tyrion, one of his skills is he's a fat, dumb jailer whisperer. Like he's he, he's got a special mystical uh, juju hold over fat, dumb jailers because, uh, in, okay. in the series. But some people have said that that's supposed to be a nod to his book readers of this kind of fan favorite character that has been written out of the show called Strong Belwis. Hmm. who is described as this, like, fat, strong dude with a big, curved Iraq blade like the Dothraki use. Okay. Um, so maybe that was just kind of like a wink to us book readers. Like, yeah. Here's your character. Wave to him by as, he's, as we'll never see him again. <laughs> yeah, probably. 
I also thought it was interesting that um, we haven't seen this in forever, but Danny's one of Danny's honor guardians was a Dothraki. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Uh-huh. They, they show it real quick, like one time. Yeah, uh, like they had almost I haven't been seen a Dothraki since, in ages. Yeah, really, since the end of season two where her household got cleaned out. We haven't seen them. Yeah, they're so apparently they're still, still around. hanging around. I thought that was mildly interesting. They don't have a say in the council. What the fuck? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the fucking horse riders make it. This is bullshit. Yeah. Mother uh, of lies, more like it. So what, what did you think of the action? Because there's some people saying it's just kind of bullshit, but eh, it was fine. I like Jorah going full on Batman, like just beating him down with the fist because he knows that's what Danny would like. I do, too. I mean, one guy, I, I don't know if he gets the wind knocked out of him or what. He gets punched into solar plexus and goes down. Mm hmm. And stays down for mm-hmm. a good five? I don't know. These are slaves. I mean, okay, that's the thing. Like, probably less than half of them want to be here or are excited about the prospect of dying. So somebody gives you solid punch to solar plexus and nobody's coming around. You just, just play dead. Play dead. <laughs> you can always recuperate in the, the, the holding cell. True. I, the other thing is, like, yeah, like the whole only free men allowed to fight. I get. I don't know what the Westerosi version of the slave card is, like to check to summon status, but this seemed really fishy. Like, and Danny's only concern was men were dying, not like yeah. are these free. Like, if she's that bothered about it, you'd think she'd like. Can I see some documentation? Can mm-hmm. I talk to their coach slash slave master? Can you know what? What's she's she's curiously yeah. incurious about the history and, and background of these men. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's a little strange. And and is that another evidence about Hisdar being a villain? Because somebody knows these the guys booking this fight know that these are free not not free men, they're slaves. Yeah. Somebody within like how many degrees of separation from Hisdar has to know with absolute fact that these are like actually one. slaves. That's what I'm thinking, too. Yeah, there might be one guy between him and the slaves. Yeah, the guy that booked it and runs the thing and goes, oh, yeah, you, you should come. We're having a fight. Bring the queen. It's tradition. You know? I, yeah. I, so I, what is his Dar's game, man? What's he What's he playing at? Uh, I feel like he's he might be playing a long con to get the masters back in power. Hmm. You know, yeah. get her to give up just enough to where she makes a mistake and she can't take it back. Kind of yeah. like Cersei. Uh, the other question I have is, was Jorah supposed to be in this fight? Technically, he won the qualifier, right? He went around, he kicked everybody's ass. I feel like he was supposed to be round two. Like, you got the first round, and there's going to be like... But like, everybody left. Yeah. He, it was just him and Tyrion left in there. No, no, no. There were several dudes that followed him out after he pushed the door open. Oh, now, they yeah, didn't, yeah, yeah. It seemed right. like they went to the okay. battlefield. It seemed like they're like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, there was, it, it felt, you know, I've seen Gladiator before. Like, you've got several rounds. Sure. Uh-huh. I mean, I've been to a demolition derby at the county fair. I know what this... Uh, well, you want to spread the killing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Make a day of it. Yeah, it might seem entertaining to have all 100 cars in the mud pit at once, but then you blew your load, and 15 minutes later, no one's buying elephant ears and and roasted peanuts anymore. Sure, that's why, I mean, they do that every time. That's why they can't afford a better stadium. Uh, <laughs> it's a poorly run slave-killing really, yeah. entertainment show. Sure. Uh, I, I just wonder if, like, what she's going to do with Jorah here. She's got Jorah. She did not she give wants a to fuck. throw back in the prisons. Did you find that shocking? That like the 
uh, Marcella type years have passed and has not has not made her judgment any less harsh. I mean, she's just like, get him out of my sight. I didn't find it all that surprising. Um, I, fe- I felt like it was justified. I feel like it's really still pissed. Nothing has changed how she feels about him. Okay. Because like, you know, if she'd wondered about him or thought about him at all, I think her first reaction would be a little bit more mixed. Yeah. But it was in sins. Get him out of my sight. Mm-hmm. So not, not great for uh, Jorah there. Yeah, I mean, we speculated a little bit about what happens with Jorah and Tyrion in the instant cast. Uh, maybe Tyrion can talk himself into position. Maybe Jorah will, will get one as well. Um, do you still feel like after second watches, do you feel like this is a zero-sum game? Or there is there is a way that Tyrion can spin this that they both get to live? Man, I would not put anything past Tyrion at this point as far as talking people into things. He's got to be careful because if he tells too many lies, like if he's like, no, really what's happened on small councils, Jorah was our real inside man. And like Barristan wasn't privy to these high level communications. Like, I don't think he can play that. He's got to find yeah. a way to put Jorah's crimes into context that Danny would understand. And I don't, okay. I, I'm, I'm struggling to see how that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll be tough. Um, I, I wonder if Jorah is, if his might insist that maybe Jorah be let into the great games. What good does that do, Jorah? It doesn't do him any good. I was going to say. <laughs> sure, but he's, it, he's... It, it would give us an awesome scene of Jorah okay. fighting in the Great Games, like right. in a re, in a proper fucking do, coliseum. See, do you think we're going to get a f- proper fucking coliseum? I want one. I desperately want one. Okay. Because I'm not... I That's the other thing. I'm not really sure why they staged this in this little, you know, backwater arena. I mean, like you said on the Instacat, it's, it does make sense, you know? It's just a qualifier. But man, I want that scene. I want a big Roman Colosseum type gladiator scene. Yeah. Do you think there'll be slaves fighting in the great pit of Draznak or whatever? Or do you think that those will all be those will all be the the the, the big games? Or do you think those will hmm. all be free men? Uh well, <laughs> what do you consider free men? Jorah is all of these guys were ostensibly free men, right? No, but they're no, they were sold into slavery. They had to fight. They had no choice. That's yeah, what but I'm Danny saying. thinks that all of them well, are that's what I'm, free that's, men. That, I do you, the line is so blurred if there, we, I don't know. If we go up to the great games and they're still slave fighting, mm-hmm. then what does that tell us about Hisdar? Uh he's openly subverting her the 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 rule of his queen, right? And will she catch on at that because point? Because he has to know like if he get, Okay, maybe he doesn't not, he doesn't this this is like Walmart not understanding that child labor is being used and produced in their sweat. Oh, we we subcontracted out this this other reputable place that then fucked us over we had no knowledge it gets harder to believe like if you invade the bentonville arkansas t-shirt factory and it's nothing but five-year-old indian girls it gets harder to believe that like you didn't know anything about that yeah the i'm willing time to believe happens. that maybe his dar just didn't know he's a young guy himself dad okay. got killed he wasn't ready to take the reins of the family you get to the great games and are slave fighting that's some skullduggery right yeah okay yeah, I, I think Hisdar knows. So certainly if he knows, he, he will know, in my opinion, in the great games. And maybe he'll get found out. Sure enough. Final scene. Cersei goes to see Marjorie, uh, so she can rub her defeat in her face. Marjorie's in terrible shape. Uh, pleased with herself, Cersei goes to ask the High Septum about the trial. He delivers some monologue about vanity. Uh, then Loras shows or not Loras. <laughs> yeah, Loras shows up, you know. Right. Uh, Lancel shows up. Uh, having told the septum what he knows about Cersei and they grab her and throw her in the dungeons. Yeah. 
Um, there's a couple interesting things. I thought that it was interesting that Cersei, on the way out of uh, seeing Marjorie, drops her handkerchief, which is kind of like a traditional symbol of a damsel in distress. Huh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, because she had that hanky that was covered in venison, which I thought that was fun, too. It's like, I brought you this food that I ate last night. It's yeah, like yeah. probably Here's kind of vaguely spoiled leftovers. leftovers. We got no refrigeration. Yeah. Uh, that was lost in the, this, in the recipe that had Valerian steel in. Um, but she, I thought that was interesting. And also the Septon droning on about the sturdy and real versus gilded monstrosities. Like He's got this casual contempt of Baylor, which... It'd be like hearing someone talk shit about the Apostle Paul. Like, Baylor is okay. a beloved person of everyone. He is, like, one of the the, the big names in the Faith of the Seven. And uh, it's interesting to hear him basically talk shit about him. It really, uh, for me as a book reader, crystallizes his, his fanaticism. Huh, okay. So Yeah, I didn't get that having only seen the show. Sure. Um I don't know. I, I love the look in uh, her face. Like, you know, Lena knocked it out of the park. The whole, you know, kind of like, Arya, what? <laughs> What's going on? Keep smiling. Yeah, yeah it's it's too late. <laughs> Shit's about to go down. <laughs> I need to extricate myself. Uh, you know, the I thought it was a missed opportunity. You remember when they cut off Jamie's hand and they smash cut to, like, the pop rock version of the bear, the maiden fair. Uh-huh. I wish they'd smashed cut to a pop version of Jer- Jeremy Flynn singing the Dornishman's wife <laughs> right after she gets thrown in the cell, <laughs> like some upbeat, jaunty, happy, uh-huh. you know, that would have been fun. That'd have been fun. What's all this dour, like, or, or like an ironic reigns of Castamere, like played on a kazoo. That would have been fun too. All right. I like it. We got it. the lion ba- laid low and we got some mournful music. Fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something we've all been waiting for, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I It's weird. It's weird how they twist me up like this in this show. I have been waiting for Cersei to get some kind of righteous retribution for a very long time. I'm disappointed that it was this high septum guy because I hate him almost as much as I hate Cersei. Mhm. Uh I I don't <laughs> religious fanaticism is not something I appreciate. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, even when it is executed on people who I don't like, right? Uh, I, I think that's a, a fairly uh, consistent stance to take. Uh-huh. Uh, Tommen certainly doesn't deserve all the shit he's being put through. Right? Like, what does Marjorie deserve? <laughs> right? None of that shit. Sure. Uh, so, so seeing Cersei was kind of bittersweet, you know? Yeah. For yeah. me, uh, it was definitely more sweet than it was bitter. Sure, sure. Let's not mix words here. But and she, Tom, if, if he's going to be any man at all, he has to escape the gravitational pull of Cersei. Well, there you go. So even if <laughs> he's temporarily unhappy about it, mm-hmm. you know, long term, it's the it's the good move for him. Yeah, and I'm I'm eagerly awaiting the time when Tommen decides. You know what? War is the preferred alternative here. Hmm. Let's call in the army. Uh, what does he do? Does he call his uncle? Does he call Kevin up? I, I have no Say, idea. Yo, Kevin, next. uh, I need your armies. We got a situation here. I have no idea what the next step, uh, is. Okay. So, I think he's going to be pissed though. Sure. I, yeah. uh, you know, you saw this impetuous 14 year old wanting to bring down death and destruction just when they kidnapped his wife. Well, now that they got the mother in there too. I also thought yeah. it was really great. Her, you know, screaming about being the queen, when sure, you know, the exact made, same thing happened. They've with made Marjorie. for a season and a half now the point that you are not the queen. You're some queen yes. 
regent mother has been hag bullshit yeah but you're not the queen and that but that's how she sees herself oh yeah so i thought that was pretty good and that's it also just so i don't get a million emails you keep calling in the high septum that is the thing you pierce in your nose. It's the high septon. Oh. And it'd be oh, especially thought, annoying since you don't get any I'm of these sorry. emails. So fuck You're me. Right. If I'm going to get a... It's one thing to get taking a task <laughs> on my own bullshit, but I'm not taking it for you, man. All right. I'm not taking it for you. Fair enough. So stand, delete those drafts you've got going already. All right. So at the end of this, I'm going to play us out with I've Tasted the Dornishman's Bride. Uh, that's, Wife. The na- that's the name of the song, yes. Wife. Send your emails to a.ron. <laughs> the Cornish... The Cornish hens... <laughs> The Cornish Hens Paramore. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why not? So as I mentioned in the main podcast proper, I got a special treat for our Audible ad this week. And first off, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash G-O-T to get a free audiobook uh, for trying out Audible services uh, and 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 being a patron of baldmove.com. Uh since I started doing this, I got a lot of people saying, Hey Ron, you got to, you got to play one of George Martin's sex scenes. And I'm like, okay, mm. but I, I've had this scene cause I figured we'd get around to it. I had this scene in my back pocket. I just, I, I, it's, it's the apex of George Martin's sex scenes. <laughs> it happened right here in the episode. And I want to show you the, the, the scene as it unfolds out and it's, it's splendor. It's, it's beautiful dance of love and mystery and romance as written down by the great George Martin. Jim play the clip. And he could taste the rum on Jilly's tongue. And the next thing, her breasts were bare, and he was touching them. I said the words, Sam thought again. But one of her nipples found its way between his lips. It was pink and hard, and when he sucked on it, the milk filled his mouth, mingled with a taste of rum, and he had never tasted anything so fine and sweet and good. And suddenly, his cock was out jutting upward from his britches like a fat pink mast. It looked so silly standing there that he might have laughed, but Jilly pushed him back onto her pallet, hiked her skirts up around her thighs, and lowered herself onto him with a little whimpery sound. That was even better than her nipples. Oh, she's so wet, he thought, gasping. I never knew a woman could get so wet down there. So how'd how'd you like that, Jim? That's ridiculous uh, completely thoroughly ridiculous on the positive sam invented rum chata didn't even know I oh mean, god his his contribution to the art of mixed drink mm-hmm. echoes down through the ages the cinnamon wind sure the, uh, the milky rum laden goodness yeah so if you want to uh, find out the softer side of game of thrones if you want to know your mirror swamps from your fat pink mast your lord's kiss from your <laughs> dornishman's wife the only way to do that is to read the books And Audible gives you a great way to do so, featuring the complete unabridged works of George Martin. How do you know it's unabridged? Ask yourself, would the great Roy Dotry say the words fat pink mast if he didn't have to? (laughs) Hell no, that's the power of unabridged people. And it all supports WhisperSync technology so you can read on your Kindle and then seamlessly move to your car or your cell phone when you're out on your jog, your bicycle ride, and have old Roy read to you. Not only can you get the works of Martin, but 185,000 other volumes of spoken word content the best part is you get a free trial just by going to audiblepodcast.com slash G-O-T. That's right. You get any one audiobook free just for giving them a shot. I'm a huge fan of their service personally. Can't recommend them enough. And we thank them for sponsoring our podcast. Yeah, let's get to feedback. 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 We got Win H says, 
Think y'all are missing out on the real reason why Lady Olena can't retaliate against Cersei and out the incest love child at Tommen. Those lineages loosely known as spoken truth, it would damage the Tyrell status specifically by nullifying Marjorie's queen status. If Tommen's not king, then Marjorie's not queen. I think she probably calculated Sir Loras has a better chance of release by having Queen Marjorie lobby the king than to blow it all up. Yeah, so that's, that's fair. something we missed in the last podcast. I think we might have talked about it in the instant, but I wanted to give credit uh, where uh, credit's due. Cool. Um, moving on to Matt S. said, I thought this episode is better overall than last week's, but damn it, if Dorne isn't still awful. I don't understand the purpose of the Sand Snake stripping down for Braun. Whereas the much-debated Sands of Rape scene, in my opinion, served a narrative purpose, I do not see one in having an already defeated warrior defeated once more by sexual desires. What was the Sand Snake's motivation? What was the Double D's motivation writing that scene? Why poison Braun just to give him the antidote? And damn it, why is Julian Bashir locked up in Odo's prison cell? Yeah, why? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. I, I agree. I agree completely. Prince Doran is now the interesting thing about Doran. Yes. And we are going on eight episodes into this season, and all he's done is look at a young couple and say we need to protect them and do kind of a below-average job of doing that. Yeah. No, it's a shame. I'm kind of shocked so that we've gotten this far, and he has been nothing but a gouty dude on a wheelchair that pisses and moans about not being able to do things for Doran. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to come back around to him and he be a major player in the story, but I hope so. I like the actor. I like the character so far. Candace W says, how awesome would it have been if Ammon Targaryen's body had been fireproof and survived the funeral pyre? <laughs> would you have enjoyed that, Jim? Or is it uh, got the bacony stink of magic all over it? Well, of course, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how Danny is special. I don't know how this guy should have reacted to fire. Like, mm. I think it might have been cool. Yeah. Maybe he was a witch if he didn't burn. There's always that. Mm. Usanu A, my new favorite word name to pronounce, says, I don't know what to think about his Dar anymore. I first thought that he was clearly the one behind the Sons of the Harpy. However, after Dario points out this to Danny, I am not so sure anymore. It now seems just too obvious for the show to reveal that his <laughs> Dar is, in fact, the main antagonist. Damn it, Dario. You're, you're, in, you're muddy in the waters, man. Yeah, except Danny doesn't believe him, right? So are we as the audience also not supposed to believe him? I, I, I just, you know, mild, mild interest. Don't know. Hiding in plain sight that his dar is. He's like a gecko. Uh, I'm not, he's going to sell us car insurance next. <laughs> I'm not so sure that Littlefinger was talking about Lancel Lannister, Lady Olenna. By the way, the High Sparrow is speaking to Cersei. It seems as though Lancel's confession to him was prior to Olenna and Little Lady, wait, excuse me. It seems as though Lancel's confession to him was prior to Olenna and Littlefinger's conversation. I think there's a good chance that he could be talking about Gendry instead. After all, who could be a better witness to reveal all of Cersei's sins than a bastard of King Robert, who looks nothing like Cersei's children, and who also knows the atrocities that she and her son committed to cover up the rumors about her and Jaime? We, had, we were just talking about not seeing... last Gendry is last seen rowing frantically uh, from Dragonstone to Westeros. We haven't seen him since. He qualifies as a handsome young man, and he does have all these things that he could dish on the Lannisters. Have we yeah. cracked the code? Do you think? Possibly. My money's still Sounds on Olivar. But okay. if Gendry doesn't show up before this tale is told, it'll be a really weird detour. One of many, yeah, I think you're to be right. fair, in the books, <laughs> but I'm kind of surprised that they would keep it in the show if, if it was truly a dead mm -hmm. end. Yeah. 
Uh, Nathan P wants to play the name game with us on the gift. Uh, it says one, the Jorah, the gift that Jorah gives Danny of Tyrion. Littlefinger gives up Lancel to Elena and the Sparrows for his, his testimony. Big assumption on yeah. your part there, Nathan. Yeah, that's e, assuming a lot. As we just uncovered. Olena tries to give the High Sparrow wealth, power, and luxury as gifts, but he refuses it. Braun gets given a cure as well as a little something-something extra. The Sand Snakes get given a scene where I don't hate them. <laughs> okay. Sansa gives Theon a candle. Theon gives it to Ramsay. Ramsay gives Sansa a threat in the form of a flayed supporter. That's stretching the bounds of gifts a little. Uh, yeah, I mean, does a gift have to be a positive thing? <laughs> I guess that's true. Like, if the if death is a gift in this world, then no, I would say not. Okay. I'm going to give you the gift of a kick in the balls, Jim. <laughs> I expect a thank you note. Uh, Sam gives John a dragon glass dagger. Certainly there you go. Qualifies as a gift. Bringing it back around. Gilly gives Sam a quote-unquote reward. And the showrunners give the a audience reward? a gift by finally having Man, Cersei locked up. I don't view that as a reward. I don't think she was rewarding him for saving her. I think she was, when he says, look, I'm going to protect you and little Sam no matter what, they've they've established a really solid relationship between the two of them. And he's she's she's not rewarding him. She's just doing what she felt was natural because of the relationship. She's sharing the gift of sexuality between two people in love. Yeah, I really felt like it was based totally on the relationship they have, not on... That's the sexy ideal, right? Two people that love each other, and they get together, and they bump uglies. Well, unless you're in a jail cell across from a sand snake. Then that's the sexy ideal. (laughs) I don't think there's anything sexy or ideal about that situation. (laughs) But uh, I did have a little bit... The second time I watched this, I had a little bit of darker take, because I started thinking about Gilly's history, and how she was one of many Craster's sister wives, and they obviously uh, endured all kinds of abuse at his hands. And it makes me wonder how she sees Sam. Like, I know how Sam sees Gilly Mm -hmm. and has been pretty consistent. But but her she's always been a lot more complex because she's been through a lot more shit. She's been through a lot more experiences than Sam. And I I, kind of do wonder what exactly is the nature of her feelings for him. I'm not saying okay. any of them are bad or weird, but I think there is a little bit. Uh, I I don't know whether she's in love or whether she is grateful or whether she says like, well, this is what you do when someone does, you know, provides you food or protection. There's a lot. Again, it's it's okay. a dark take on it, but I think there's a little bit there with her history with Craster and all that fuckery up there. Sure, there there's a lot there. <laughs> Uh, Dominic T said, I figured a sand snake antidote scene was going to get some groans, but I'm okay with it for the following reason. If Braun dies in a cell next to them, what does it do to help their cause? Nothing. He's no longer a threat, so why let him die? She has to assume that he is a Westerosi knight, which he is, although she doesn't know he's an up-jumped one. She's assuming he's a knight, so you'd think that he would show a sense of appreciation and or loyalty to a foe that that would show mercy. Now, he's not only... No longer a foe, but potentially he's an ally. As far as the banter between them, she is still a child. If she had Oberyn's swagger as well as his blood, it would have come off more convincingly. Alaria may have pulled it off, but not a child still learning. Do you think that there's anything to his theory? Actually, let's go on to the next one because they're kind of tied together. Frank S. said, I agree with you that the sex scene between Braun and Sand Snakes and Dornish Dungeons is odd and inexplicable. Was it just another opportunity for a boob shot? Maybe, but the scene would make sense that this was showing Braun being co-opted by the Sand Snakes. 
Did Braun take a permanent antidote, or was it only a temporary cure that he'll have to take again and again to stay alive? While Braun does seem to have turned out to be a stand-up guy with some real loyalty to the Lannisters, ultimately he is a sellsword and loyal only to himself. If his choice ends up being between A, staying true to Jamie and possibly becoming a rich man, and B, survival and betraying Jamie, wouldn't he have to choose the latter? Do you think that this is all a very long con of the Sand Snakes trying to get Bronze allegiance or affection for some other purpose down the line? It could be. It could be. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think. Their their goal is to get Marcella to start this war. How would Braun help them in that? I mean, having one well, other... Well, if he has to take the antidote, you know, once a day, every day. I mean, the weakness of that plan is they're stuck in jail. How are they going to get more antidote? Sure. Maybe she's got beads in other places <laughs> that jailers don't check. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm going to throw that theory out the window. I don't okay. think it's a daily ritual. He's got a, I don't think he's got diabetes now. And he's got to inject himself with insulin. And, and if it's the other theory that, well, he's a Westerosi knight, so we have values. Well, she doesn't know this, but we know Bronn doesn't give a shit. Sure. So if she's going to try that, I think she's going to be disappointed. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I suppose that could be the plan, but and, and it makes the scene a little bit more interesting, but I don't know to what end. But I hope it comes out to be more than just her kind of flirting with him. Although, uh, you know, um, Dominic has a point that, Yes, you poison your blade so it's more effective. But mm-hmm. in this situation, there's no need to let him die in the cell next to you. Like, the per- the poison can't serve the purpose it was origi- originally designed to do. Although the other got a okay. question, if you're in a day- daring daylight raid on a prison, why the hell do you coat your blade with a the, the long goodbye? That seems like an assassination technique, not... Yeah, not you'd a want, fighting style. You would right? want the fucking kill him right there poison. Yeah. You want the strangler. You want the heart ripper. You want the five step heart stopper of death. You don't want the long kiss goodbye. Sure. Which might be more evidence that the Sand Snakes are a bunch of fucking idiots. I don't know. <laughs> Scott V says, I'm a show watcher, not a book reader. So can you explain winter to me? I mean, I know it can last for years. I assume every winter the White Walkers attack the wall. So how long has it been since last winter? 50 years? 500 years? At least long enough that everyone thinks the White Walkers aren't real, right? How far does winter extend? Does it cover the world? Are there land masses here that are safe? Or is it magic and covers everywhere? Do people fear it just because it lasts for years and you can't grow crops during it? If you guys could have a discussion that covers these questions, that would be great. Thank you. Thought we discussed this a little bit before. I, I think we were going to, and then we forgot. <laughs> but just in case, real briefly, uh, no, the White Walkers don't attack every time that the winter comes. They are kind of. There's been many winters. I did some research, and it seems that there was a spring uh, that, that that spring sprung just about the time of uh, the birth of like Jon Snow and Rob Stark. So it's been. 16 to 20 years since the last winter and there's been an unusually long summer an unusually mild summer um which some people believe it's going to predict just as is now if you read the farmer's almanac that you're going to have a correspondingly bad bad winter um and mostly it feels like that the winters are confined to the north um like even at king's landing it will get cool but think of like winter in like san francisco you might not be growing your lemon trees and your crops and all that but it's not like 
burr and snow drifts and then down mm-hmm. like in Dorn by the appropriately named summer sea it never gets cold yeah uh however during the like the legendary long night that lasted generations apparently the winter spread uh, over almost the entire globe hmm. and it almost killed all of mankind and they were saved by azora high the light bringer who fought back the night and brought the dawn so um there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason that 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 the ma- the maesters and uh, and the citadel at Old Town uh, kind of do some combination of like temperature recordings and celestial observations to predict when winter starts and to predict when it ends. But uh, there was a war in like a hundred years ago in Targaryen history called the war uh, during the fall spring that implies that they're not always accurate. So yeah. I don't know what kind of fucked up astrophysics is going on here that causes this, or if it is an entirely magical phenomenon that is waxing and waning with the strength of the White Walkers and why the White Walkers have been hands off. There's a lot of really interesting lore and speculation and theories about that, but guess what? You gotta be a book reader to 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 play in that playground. So they need more babies. More babies. Yeah. They need- They've been stockpiling babies for low 8,000 years, and they that last one... There's at least one at the wall. That last one tipped the bat. Yeah, they're going to go get little Sam. Yeah. And then they're going to get little Sam. He's going he's gonna to be sad that he he sent his dragon glass with John yeah. when the White Walkers come. I hope he kept... I don't know. He had several pieces. I hope he kept a few in reserve. I hope so. But again, it's very casual the way they're treating this dragon glass discovery. Yeah, not as the savior of humankind. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Black Brothers all believe in the fucking White Walkers. Yeah. They would be like, hey, why do we let the fat steward that nobody likes keep all of the ultimate weapon against the White Walkers? Mm-hmm. Anyway, Gary L., hailing all the way from Australia, says, Upon watching this episode, I couldn't help but notice the similarities between Sir Jorah's plotline and a certain story told by Littlefinger to Sansa in the Winterfell Crips about Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark. In that story, Rhaegar was the winner of a tourney who planted a crown of winter roses in front of Lyanna Stark, who was promised to Robert Baratheon, thus sparking the incident uh, of Robert's Rebellion. Jorah, on the other hand, is the winner of a lower fighting pits who plants Tyrion Lannister as a gift in front of Queen Daenerys in the presence of Hisdar Zalorak, who is promised to Danny in marriage. Could the Double Ds be using the Rhaegar and Lyanna storyline to foreshadow the impending atrocities that could stem from Jorah's activities? Is Jorah, Rhaegar, and Danny Lyanna in this instance? Is it possible mm-hmm. that Jorah presenting Tyrion as a gift to Danny to be a public display of his affection for her? This could potentially upset the political ties of Danny and Hisdar's marriage? And if it's not Hisdar he offends, could Jorah's love for Danny drive a wedge between Danny and Dario instead? Uh. Yeah, all of those sound plausible. He continues, seeing the way Dario behaved this episode, is it plausible for Dario to take his second sons to riot against Danny and form Dario's rebellion? Can we draw a connection between both stories as they were about men who publicly revealed their affections for a woman promised to another suitor of high royalty, which could provoke a hostile takeover? Additionally, the two instances of Tyrion embellishing the story about Jorah to the slave master last episode and the slave master embellishing an even more exaggerated story of Jorah to the slave buyer in this episode felt similar to the two instances of Rhaegar's story being recounted by Littlefinger to Sansa and Sir Barristan to Danny. The fact that Sir Barristan himself was also the opponent who lost to Rhaegar at the tourney helped pique my interest in these connections. Is it an interesting hmm. coincidence or foreshadowing? What say you, Jim? Uh, 
I think it could be foreshadowing. Like I, the thing that I pulled out of that that I thought was interesting because I don't know a ton about the backstory here uh, is Dario versus Jorah sort of deal. Um, we know that Dario wants to get back into the fighting pits, right? He did it because he loved it. He might actually want to fight in these things. I could see an outcome where Jorah and Dario have to fight in the pits. Hmm. Like Jorah's fighting for his freedom. And Dario's like, just fighting because he's Dario's Dario. like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be the queen's champion just because I'm an asshole. Yeah. That'd be kind of entertaining. I think that'd be super awesome. All right. See those guys fight. Okay. Who are uh, you, who are you rooting for? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> you don't, I don't feel like you like either of them. You know, I probably like Dario more than Jorah. Ah, see, I'm a Dario I, I, fan. I feel bad for, for Jorah. I feel like he got the short end of the stick. Uh, events played out, which caused him to look way worse than he is. Mm. Uh, and I know Dario isn't as interesting as he was in the books, but I don't know. He's he's grown on me. Okay. I'm not even sure it's fair to say he's not as interesting as he did books. It's just that it might be fair to say that Dario's not interesting. Um, I like Jorah. Really? Okay. My money's on Jorah. Hmm. All right. He got Khaleesi zoned. That ain't right. He needs to be able to fight for whatever he's got left at this point. I mean, they've established that they're both badasses, right? So let me ask you this. Yeah. Is Danny ever going to see Jorah as anything more than like a father figure? I, I can't imagine that. That's the thing. He's barking yeah. way up the wrong dragon on this thing. I think you're right. So whatever end he's in for, it can't be a happy ending as defined by himself. Yeah, and given her reaction in this episode, he might never even get back in her good graces. I, and the way he said Khaleesi, Period. please, it doesn't seem like he's learned his lesson like, I was impetuous and I assumed too much and... I need to serve her because she's a person who needs to be serving. I mean, all the stuff that she he said to Tyrion, the way he said Khaleesi, please, made it seem like he is still like a little love suck, love suck, love sick puppy. Okay. I don't know. That's my take on it. Uh, Brian J said, I'm curious about the supposed tradition of having the queen go around to all the minor league fighting pits before the season opens. How could this possibly be a tradition for the monarchs if Marine has never had a queen before Danny got there? I think her fiance may be full of shit. Really? That's a good point. Really, another daily blowjob <laughs> uh, theory. I That is a really strong point. They've made great pains to say that this was ruled by a council of wise masters. Yeah. And there's no mention of a king or queen in marine recent mm. history. What the fuck? That is dark guy. He's fishy. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's super interesting. Uh, Rob from San Jose says, I'm wondering if instead of a weapon... Sansa stole the metal piece as a means to pick her lock. Sure. Uh, timing is everything. If Cersei chooses to plead mercy as she just revealed was an option, she would only dethrone her son. She would not only dethrone her son, Tommen, but inadvertently put her daughter and possibly Jamie in danger. By Jamie's accommodations, I feel like he will be let go. But if they hear before he leaves that his daughter is an incest bastard, they will be pissed. Also, if Tommen is no longer king, is Cersei back hmm. to being queen? Could Gendry reappear? I feel, or if she is, I feel, if she is, I feel, she could be tried for more than just the laws of seven infractions and a treason-type charge under normal law, though it's unknown who would take over to enforce it. Good question. If Tommen is revealed to be the product of incest, Mm -hmm. who runs King's Landing? It doesn't seem like anybody does. I mean, I feel like... Like, the throne is vacant We're talking about the queen consort, king consort. I don't feel like... Cersei could ever rule as queen. No, I so she can be the queen mother and all that stuff, but I don't think she could politically be. I mean, again, 
you are whatever your armies can make you. So there sure. is that possibility she could take the, the throne by force again and and rule as the the eternal queen, whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe in that situation, she has the best claim. Um, but he doesn't actually say the high septin doesn't high septin does not say um what the penalty is if you plead the the mercy of mother nature or whatever it's called <laughs> mercy of the uh, mother the mercy of the mother there's still a penalty uh but i don't know what that is so like i wonder if cersei would be allowed to take the the role of queen over again because certainly tommen couldn't uh marjorie couldn't take queen i think i think it would honestly would go back to stannis like if there was no true yeah, but legitimate he, sons of Robert, he's Brake not around. In, you know, no. But I'm How's saying he gonna be like sworn in. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, I, don't, like, I don't know how they'd handle him being absent, but I think that the strongest claim would be, you know, as he's always said, me, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it goes back up through once you run out of sons. It goes back. What up about through. Kevin? Kevin's non-absent. Kevin's not ever king. The, the Lannisters were never on the throne. The only reason the Baratheons true, were is yeah. because they. You know, the Brathions were an offshoot of Tar- Targaryens <laughs> hundreds of years ago. Yeah, okay. So Kevin doesn't really have a claim. I don't know. But it's all, it, it I mean, that's the whole situation. point. Like, the whole Baratheon claim was very Baratheon, Baratheon. Um, was was all kind of, like, smoke and mirrors bullshit anyway. Mm-hmm. Might, the point of it is might made right. The fact that yeah. Robert and Ned and uh, John Aaron could get more better men and defeat the Targaryens in open combat, that's why... They sat the throne not because of any kind of blood claim. It's ridiculous. Sure, i I imagine the same would happen here with the Lannisters. It would make it would make it probably even more fucked up in King's Landing. Yeah, which I would again, imagine so. what is George playing at? What are the Double D's playing at? We'll, yep. we'll have to see. Uh, Emily W says about the Faith Militants. I wonder if they'll be arresting Kyburn anytime soon. I'm sure in the Seven Pointed Star, there's nothing about experimenting and resurrecting dudes from the dead. I find his character really interesting and want him to actually have a purpose or else the double D's have been setting up his character for nothing. Yeah. I got to say the mountain better come back within this season or I'm going to be like, really, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they seem like they're moving up, scooting that plot pretty, pretty quickly along with all the reveals and stuff. And then we've had I three so episodes too. of nothing. Yeah. Next nothing. episode, the mountain's going to go on a rampage against the sparrows. Tommen's going to unleash the, the, yep. the mountain. The can't die. Yeah. Go Mildly interesting. Command him to go get his mother and wife out of the, the dungeons. Gregor smash. <laughs> uh, also. Bust through the walls like a Kool-Aid man. <laughs> <laughs> also, did people. Li- that would be cool. That would be. <laughs> uh, also, did the people like and want the faith militant? If King Tommen does decide to rage out and attack them, how would the people react? And the people's eyes slaughtering the high sparrow and all his followers is something Joffrey would have done. I hope Tommen is given a chance to prove himself a wise king like what Tywin taught him at the start of season four. We talked a lot about that already, and yeah. We I agree. think it's plenty wise to go on a rampage here. I think so, but I think it might be too late. It might be. It might be. The time to do that was the first or second instance you could have done it, not now. Yeah. When it's public and... And you got to fight through King's Landing. That's not easy. Ask, ask Stannis. Hundreds might die. Thousands. Or you go to Littlefinger. Ooh. Now that's... There, Littlefinger, Tommen starts talking a Littlefinger. The small council got a little bit bigger with the ironic addition of Littlefinger, didn't it? It did. He's back. He's not 
he's not really anything at this point, though, is he? He's not Master of Coin. We no. know that's uh, Mace. No. I don't know that he's on the small council anymore, but he could certainly be. There's so many. I mean, yeah. If, if Tom, that's the thing. I, it'd be interesting to see if he, with without Cersei there to warn him or anybody to guide him, if, if could imagine what Littlefinger could do with the King of Westeros as his puppet. Oh, my God. If Holy you thought it was going to be interesting to see Tywin manipulate this kid. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Andy B said, are you aware that Jer- Jeremy Flynn is actually an established singer? He and his partner, Robin Green, had a string of hits in the 90s in the United Kingdom. Huh. I actually was aware of this because when he first appeared, I got to see a lot of interesting YouTube videos of him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you search for Jeremy Flynn s- singer, you get a lot of his like old videos and stuff from the 90s, like kind of Tears for Fears-esque stuff. Wow. It's pretty entertaining. All right, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, that's actually all the email we've got for Game of Thrones. Oh, wow. Small email section this it time. It was. Well, there was... Unfortunately, like last week, a lot of the Sansa stuff boiled over, and I made the editorial decision that I, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted about talking that. Yeah. I think it's bullshit. I think it's stupid, and I said that, <laughs> and I would just be arguing with listeners or saying right mm-hmm. on as it is. So it's like I think everyone yeah. knows my thoughts on it uh, and, and our collective thoughts, and... Um, you know, I would I would like to see the double D's learn something from this. Unlike the whole Cersei Jamie stuff from last year, we'll see. Next time Ramsey comes in there, thinking he's going to get screwed, he really is. He's going to get the bunghole bore. <laughs> I don't think it's called the bunghole bore. It is because that reason. That's the thing. Like it's oh, not oh. called a bunghole because it looks like a butthole. It's Our buttholes bu- are called bungholes because they look like the thing on the cast. I thought it was called a bung bore. It is because it bu- yeah, it bores the- out the bunghole. What do you think is left behind when the bung board does its work? A bung hole. You said you weren't going to make any jokes about this. I'm not going to joke about that. I'm making a joke about the science and architecture right. of bungs, holes, and, and barrels. Yeah. Talking barrels, Jim. Get your head out There's together. a lot to dissect there. More on that in the spoiler edition, I'm sure. <laughs> the spoil bore section. Oh, boy. It's all bores are all the time. All right, that's it. They want it. to step on the boar, swords, and goats guys' toes. Oh, yeah. They're changing their name to bung, they boar, got, swords, and goats. They got way more swords and goats than I do. <laughs> All right, that's it for the episode. We want to give them a run on the board department, though. We we will, yeah. We've got <laughs> plenty of boars that need killing. Robert Baratheon's not around, so we can kill them now. Bungs need boring. That's it. Yeah, send uh, any feedback you got for the spoiler section. Not too late. The cutoff of that is uh, around midday Thursday. Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. We'll have that out Friday. And then, of course, we'll be back on Sunday night for the instant cast and then the following Tuesday for the full cast on the next show. Uh, you can also follow us on facebook.com slash baldmove and over on Twitter at baldmove. And please participate in our forums. They're kind of rocking on uh, forums.baldmove.com. There's a spoiler and non-spoiler thread for each show. And a good time is being had by all. Indeed. We'll be back uh Well, you'll be back on Friday. Yeah. I'll be back right after the episode next week. Mm -hmm. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya.